Welcome to the Giant Step Podcast with your host, Maurice Bernstein, as we take you on a journey into music and culture from the world of Giant Step. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Giant Step Podcast, where we take you on a journey into music and culture. I'm your host, Morris Bernstein. Uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Giant Step. And this week's conversation is with Ben Pondol. Ben is the former VP of Brand Experience at the Edition Hotels. He's the founder of A Hotel Life and also of Stay Plastic Free. And we talk about his career starting in London, coming to the United States, and he really gets into what he sees the future of the hotel experience is going to be in a post-COVID world. And we get into a lot of great detail and conversation with that. This episode was originally recorded on February the 11th, uh, 2021, on our Instagram Live platform. So please forgive um, any noise glitches or um, sort of sound issues because as usual the content is well worth listening to and if you want to hear more or find out more about Giant Step visit us at our website at giantstep.net or follow us on Instagram at Giant Step and send us a note and a message tell us what you think of our podcast series so now please enjoy my conversation with Ben Pondal. there he is Morris, hi. Hello, Ben. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. And you? Um, I'm pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, I just got news that one of my musical heroes passed away as I was waiting to start this thing. So um, you're going to cheer me up. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And count our blessings for still being on this planet. Exactly. Exactly. But um, it's great to see you. You're, you're currently in Mexico, right? I'm currently in Mexico. I was a little, a little embarrassed. I hope nobody travel shames me, but I kind of thought I'd sit indoors so that, you know, but this is, this is what's happening. No, here. let's see it. I want to see it. Yeah, well, you know, I've got blue skies. <laughs> oh, my God. Blue skies and palm trees. and That is your green screen, right? You're really in Bushwick still. I, I know you are, so. <laughs> yeah, life's not, life's not bad. I decided to, uh, to escape life for a few months. Right. Lucky you. Uh, well, very lucky. yeah, yeah. Well, we have we have lovely snow and ice at the moment here in New York. So you're, uh, yeah. I think I sent you a picture a couple of days ago and said, uh, I bet you're jealous, right? You know. Yeah, I'm not missing that at all. <laughs> 22 years in New York, I, you know, and the opportunity to not have a New York winter, um, winning. Um, just got to say thank you very much for joining everybody and Smith and I see you there and Zach. Thank you very much for for, for joining because this should be this should be a fun chat that's for sure yeah yeah a lot of great people joining i saw kamala um it's like it's uh it's gonna be great um so ben thank you so much for doing this with me um and you know for those who don't know who ben is um ben was the former vp of brand experience for the edition hotels he's the founder of um uh, hotel life um uh, which dedicates uh, itself to the, the hospitality world and hotels, and also um, <clears throat> the founder of Stay Plastic Free as well. 
um, which I think its name basically explains, you know, what it's, what it's about. Um, and also, you know, you're, I'd say, you know, you're a consummate gentleman, Ben. Thank um, you, sir. And not a bad football player too, actually. Uh, <laughs> which well, I found out. I did, here's a fun yeah. fact for the people watching. And Morris dragged me into a, um, do you see what I did there today though? Sorry, I just noticed I cut my own hair. Everyone's been cutting their own hair. <laughs> I have various, I've got various, like with various uh, degrees of success and I've forgotten did the, anyway, I just noticed it in real, anyway. But Morris dragged me into a football team we were called Old English. And that's um, right. Everyone was and what, but why were we English. Old English? Because we were all old in English, that's right. We were all old in English, and at the time I was young and, and English. And then I started off as the young, you know, one of the better players, and I ended up like the oldest, worst player. And I just, I just, I just had to start up again, if you fancy uh, getting your boots out. Oh my God, I think uh, you'd have to get my, uh, my, my Zimmer frame out with it as well. But I'll, I'll, I could be your manager. So, there you uh, go. Yeah. Matteo, thanks for joining. Anthony Cumberbatch. Yeah, nice. Look at all these nightlife legends here. Love it. Well, we're, we're talking to a nightlife legend, um, which is you, Ben. But, uh, you know, not just nightlife. I think, you know, like just culture. And one of the things that, you know, we've had the pleasure of working together for, I'd say, almost 15 years, which right. um, is pretty impossible because... We're much younger than that. So exactly. um, is the fact that you you're one of the few people who I've worked with who has a real grasp of all the different sort of pillars within culture, you know, whether it's art, whether it's fashion, whether it's music, wellness, you know, everything you I, I think you have a real, real understanding of it. But you also, you know, my experience of working with you you are able to bring in the experts to to do the work. So you could pretty much do it yourself, but you have this ability to, you know, I, I'd say it's a very sort of um, modest and laid back way of working with people where you let them become excellent in that role, but you could kind of do it anyway. So that that's my sort of experience when I've been working with you. Yeah. Well, I, I do appreciate that, Morris, and I love... I love what I do, but there are people do, who, who do things so much better in music, art, film, fashion, theatre, wellness, philanthropy. And I'm lucky that I have a platform in the hotel industry to bring people in, great partners, great collaborators to do what they do best. I could never do what you do to, at the level at which you do it um, with, with the kind of contacts you have. The one, the one kind of I guess common denominator is I do like to work with people who, and you, you're very kind, called call me a gentleman, who do things with kind of kindness, collaboration, and um, and, and 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 in a thoughtful, considerate way. Because you can be there. Are, we've all worked with people in fashion, in music, in art who are very difficult to deal with, and life's too short. I think yeah. as as we all. Um, get a little, little, little older. Life's too short, and, if, and unless you work, there are some very good people out there. But good these days also means that you have the ability to collaborate and yes. that you do things with with kindness and kindness and compassion. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, like you know, all my experiences working with you, sort of uh, across, you know, like various um, hotels and brands. You know, there's never there's never shouting, there's never screaming. You're 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 normally running the show, but 
nobody ever feels like they're being spoken down to and and especially in nightlife that's something that i've seen a lot of and you know so it's it you always manage to put a very good and happy team together uh and 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 i think when you when you can lead from the top like that people then come out with their best work because they're not they're not scared they just enable to sort of be you know well, thank you. That that really does mean a lot. I've always felt the same about working with Giant Step, actually, which is why we've we've we've, we've done some incredible things over the last fifteen years. And and for those oh, yeah. for those we've people watching, stuff, I think yeah. <laughs> Morris is being Morris is being very humble, and I'm sure there's 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 uh, there's there's questions coming or the chat we're going to have. But I I would like to Morris, if we can, just kind of highlight some of the some of the things that we've done over the years because they've been pretty epic, um, and you know. I think Morris and I started working together with a couple of uh, uh, very, at the time, unknown artists called Janelle Monet and Jose James and Jasmine Sullivan and uh, uh, and others in Miami and New York, and uh, continued to do shows and DJ gigs, whether it was in Miami for what was then Winter Music Conference, Miami Music Week, or in uh, in New York at various uh, various stages back, what my God, back in the Hudson Hudson days, so it's the early Hudson, 2000s. Hudson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, and then uh, and, and then more recently, the Times Square edition and the uh, and the launch of the West Hollywood edition. I mean, the, the launch of the Times Square edition, I think, you know, people... That people, was the party of all parties. That was the party of all parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, to, yeah. to, 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 to do that with you and to bring people like Diana Ross and Nile Rogers together, uh, together again uh, was just legendary. And I think because maybe you and I were working on it and it's never as glamorous when you're actually working on it. But then people have told me, like, that was a moment. That was a real New York moment. And when you take yeah. a step back and you see... You know, you see some of the photos of, of Diana Ross on one side and of Ian Schrager and, uh, and um, Nile Rogers on the other. And, uh, you know, it was, it was epic. It was, you know, Studio 54 all, all over again, but, 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 but to, a, to an audience who, who wasn't old enough to be there the first time. And uh, yeah, it was pretty epic. Yeah, for those who, who don't know, um, uh, we, uh, we did the opening of the Times Square edition back in March 2019. Morris, I'm just going to interrupt and, for a second. Sorry, yeah, of course. I just saw Albie joined. Albie is, Albie is a, a friend. Albie was a guest at the Times Square edition launch. And I just saw Albie. He came to, he came to visit in, um, in, uh, uh, here in, in, in Mexico. And Al Albie made my year by saying, you know, Ben, I just got to tell you, that was one of the greatest parties I've been to. And Albie's British. He's lived in New York for, for 15 years plus. We actually met at a party. And it made my made my world when he said, you know, that was one of the greatest New York moments. And I just blew my mind. And, and it just so happened that we were speaking, speaking today. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen all, all the time. You know, people think that we spend our lives having having the best time because we curate events or parties or experiences. And it doesn't. But that was a real moment in time. So thank you, Albie, for the reminder. And thank you for, for joining. I just saw you there. Yeah. So, so what, what what people don't know is that you know that the you know the the hotel opened March two thousand nineteen. But I remember you giving me a call at the end of January two thousand and nineteen to say, "Oh, we've got a hotel opening. We just got the budget. We got a yeah. budget." I'm like, "You got a real budget this time?" He goes, "Yeah, I got a budget. We want you guys on board." 
And then we had a meeting a few days later because I think you were coming back from the Middle East. And, um, and they were like, we want to do five nights and it's going to be in March. <laughs> you know, and we want, and it was like, oh shit. And, um, and then it just, we, it came together. So it was five back to back nights of music and parties. Uh, and, you know, as you said, the first night was uh, Diana Ross and, um, and now Rogers was chic. And then we did uh, Lauren Hill. And then we did um, Lauren Hill uh, with Rev Run and Ruckus. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and uh, Charlie so, XCX and Sophie Tucker uh, and Q-Tip and, and Questlove and Seth Troxler and Francis and the Lights. Um, and then, you know, partying in the, in, you know, in the lobby bar until whatever time. And, I think the, the closing night party, which was a Saturday, where I don't even remember how I could walk at that point, um, not out of being drunk, but just out of just sheer exhaustion, with people on the bars, it was like five o'clock in the morning, with champagne bottles, in, right. you know, drinking out. I mean, yeah. it was like, I was like, I finally like having my, you know, what I always thought New York was like. I see Zach is uh, popping yeah. the bottles there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was amazing. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I think it's great to also, because you're my guest, Ben. So I, I think people need to understand sort of like how you got started. Um, you know, yeah. we, we all know you're English, but how did you get started in the career, in the hospitality career? I mean, you're, you're, you're a young lad in Dulwich, you know, supporting Brentford. We're actually a good team now. They weren't when you were growing up. That's very you know, true. Were you, terrible. Were you, um, did you have an interest in sort of like music and hospitality? What, what was it? What was a young Ben Pondol doing? M music, music was everything. <laughs> uh, you know, music and football. Music and football. Growing up in London on the outskirts of West London, music and football was everything. I remember the first record I bought I was 11 years old. I asked my granddad for the money, which really pissed off my dad because I skipped him because I knew he wouldn't give it to me. I asked the granddad for the money and I went to buy a record. And now this was in 1985, I was 11. So I was born in 74. And uh, in 1985, I bought a record called Breakdancing. And it was a Tommy Boy double mm. album with a poster in it that taught you how to breakdance. Well, I mean, I was 11 in 1985. I already knew how to breakdance. But that was my first record. So music was everything. And this had like African Bambata and, um, and the Sonic Force and, uh, oh God, I forget who else, but it was, it, it, was, it was legendary. And I love it. I see Tom Silverman occasionally because he's around and about. And I never let him forget right. that like my first record and I see Arthur Baker who, who right. produced a bunch of the tracks yeah. on there. Yeah, like, well, he, did. Yeah, he did, yeah, he did, yeah. He's heard it a million times from me. So, you know, music was, music was everything. And music and breakdancing and US culture and subway art and all that kind of thing. And, you know, I remember for my 10th birthday asking my dad to get me a piece of, you know, lino so that we could breakdance on it. Um, hope you're not recording this. Hold it against me. Yeah, we are recording, of course. Yeah. Okay. No, that was a joke. <laughs> uh, and so you had the record and poster. Whoever said that, respect. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. see that poster. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but I'd yeah, love to see that's that poster. Lukumi. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so yeah, music was everything. And my dad at the time had a had a tiny little hotel in Norfolk, and and my mum and dad split up. So I used to go and visit him, and I loved how he was always curating parties and things in this little hotel. But I didn't really think much of it. Um, 
And then when I was very young, when I was about 15, like probably a lot of you watching, I started going to parties and my, my, my older sister was very studious and I was the black sheep of the family. And one weekend I would be going off to, you know, sit, sitting on the side of the M4 waiting for the, for the, for the word and you drive down to the, yeah. to the West Country somewhere and spend a couple of days at Spiral Tribe Rave. And, and then the, next, the following weekend I would, uh, you know, would, would actually went a, little, a couple of years later, I would be going into, into London to the gardening club and mm -hmm. to, um, uh, you know, to some of the, some of the clubs up at gardening Heaven. club. And, and we heaven. had the uh, heaven, yeah, heaven, yeah. garden club in heaven. And also, I grew up with I grew up with gay neighbours. So, mm -hmm. so you know, it was it, you know in 1985 on the outskirts of London, I grew up with gay neighbours, and so I grew up at a time when when you know, and then started working in hospitality and realised like, wow, the gay clubs are the best clubs. The best in clubs, London. yeah, yeah, and. There was no, I it was like, yeah, sure. I've got a Villa Stefano oh, Benji or, B Heaven or trade or, you know, till what time. So one weekend I was doing the fancy clubs out in London and another weekend I was going out to uh, the Spiral Tribe raves with all, the, uh, with all the crusty ravers, which embarrassingly enough, that's where I learned to juggle. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't ever so, ask me to show you. So, and, and you, and your first sort of foray into working within hospitality was, was at the Groucho Club, is that correct? That's right. I, I messed up my A-levels because I was a raver. Truth. I've told my mum, I told my mum recently that that's why I messed up my A-levels, so I feel like I can get that out. And full confession. My... Yeah, we get full <laughs> confessions on this as well. So, right. yeah. uh, you know, but you know, it's like you have to tell your mum that you messed up your A levels because you were a raver in the in the late eighties. Um, and I, my mum's friend had a son who was a cook at the Groucho Club, and I started, uh, and I just needed a job, and I had this like long, had this long hair in a ponytail and the shaved shaved sides, and you know. Uh, and uh, used to wheel in the wine deliveries and run food to the restaurant at lunchtime and change the chef's dirty laundry and just you know, I had like the worst of the worst job. But it was this was 1992 in Soho, and it was the it was the best time. The vibe was incredible. The parties were amazing. The after hours. I did get the nickname Train Spotter because I always used to have a few too many and fall asleep on the on the on the sub on the tube uh, and uh, <laughs> and miss your stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, you know, I um, when when I was a student in London, I I worked at the Groucho Club for a summer. I was the potato peeler, and uh, it, but it was it was like I thought I just like made it basically. That's right. I was I got into the Groucho Club because it was the only way I could get in. So it's uh, it's amazing. So uh, so you you worked your way up from being sort of the uh, the. The, the the wine the the wine pusher and the uh, you know the potato peeler and, and how right. did you how well, how did one that, day they that... Were short, one day they were short on the bar shift you know but the bar was short and they asked me whether I'd put on a put on a you know a waiter's apron and uh, go and serve cocktails and you know be a waiter in the in the bar and I jumped at the chance I was really good at it and so I um, I, I got a job as you know as a bar waiter and then a barman and then uh you know but by, by, by the end of it i was a an assistant manager at the groucho club and their sister restaurant 192 in notting hill which so, i so used to live a... above 
But that, but that's interesting because you know a lot of people who were in the hospitality industry, especially in the position that you eventually, you know, positions that you eventually rose to, uh, went to school to um, to study hospitality. Uh, but you started at the very, very bottom. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why you have an understanding of people's roles within. Yes an ecosystem, how the person who is cleaning the dishes or bringing, having to bring the booze, you know, the, the box of booze is as important as the people who are front of house. Or oh my God, Nikki, Nikki yeah. is on here. She also worked at the Groucho Club with me in the 90s. Wow, I'm wow. Not, I'm not blowing that up for you there, but yes, <laughs> it, was, it was one hell of a time, one hell of a time. And as you said, Marsh, we felt like you made it, even if you yeah. were wheeling in the wine deliveries and yeah. changing the chef's yeah. dirty laundries. Yeah. And it was yeah. also at a time where chefs I mean, I tell you, I can tell you stories where chefs were crazy. You yeah, know, I right. used to get yeah. called into the kitchen and, you know, the chef would hold my hands behind the back whilst, yeah. whilst the sous chef would chop up yeah. a, a live eel and put it down yeah. my pants. Yeah. You know, that's, that's abuse these days. Back yeah. then it was a rite of passage. Yeah, it was like, yeah. it was just being funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they, they got it. <laughs> so uh, after after you uh, had eels stuffed down your trousers, uh, I hope they were live eels, by the way. They were they were chopped eels. up live. <laughs> yeah, there was still re anyway. Let's talk about it another time. <laughs> after you uh, after you had live eels put down your trousers, um, you you went to the Met Bar. Was that was that where you you went? Yeah, up after that? the Voucher Club, I went to the Met Bar. I was twenty two and uh, managing this tiny little bar, but every night there was you know everyone from uh, Kate Moss and Bono and Piers Brosnan and the Spice Girls and All Saints and Jamiroquai and Oasis and Blur you name it it was uh, it was it was incredible it was one hell of a and we had people like Jeremy Healy and Paul Oakenfold DJing to you know 150 people you know their lounge sets it was uh, it was one hell of a time I, and I know a lot of those people still you know those who those who made it um yeah and what a time yeah i think it's important also to to sort of like i mean that's another thing that you know within within living that sort of um experience uh, and people are coming to you know the clubs and the the bars and the parties to have a good time and there's many ways obviously to have a good time but when you're working within that environment sometimes there are people who get a little carried away with it so the fact that you've been able to also sort of rise above that as well is 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 pretty amazing because it, it you know it's it's not an easy profession to be in when you're when you're working those sort of nights no but i i always knew my place and my job was too important to me i had no, i had no other safety net you know, no one's going to bail me out if I got fired. There was no, you know, I come from a very humble family on the outskirts of West London. Uh, you know, my mother had a little catering business and my stepfather was in advertising, but we didn't, we didn't grow, you know, there was no, there was no safety net. It was, right. uh, so I knew that my job was important. I always, I always knew my place as well. And also I, I loved it. You know, I, I loved it. Four years at the Groucho Club and the kind of people I interacted with there, you know, that was just like a dream. And then the Met Bar, I mean, Jay, I used to play football with, with uh, Jay and the guys from Jamiroquai, and he used to let me drive his cars around Old Park Lane at three o'clock in the morning. 
and uh, you know his Ferraris and his Mercedes, and I was like this 22-year-old kid driving JK's you know Ferraris around uh, around uh, Old Park Lane at three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday night. It was amazing. Probably better that you were driving it than him, actually, because at <laughs> <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Definitely. So, what brought you to New York? Well, during the Met, I spent two years at the Met Bar, and I was very um, uh, lucky in that uh, it, it, it gained a huge name for itself. And Saks Fifth Avenue did a did a. So anybody that says the '90s were, were terrible is they weren't there. The '90s were brilliant. So it was the time of the young British artists. It was the time of British fashion. People like um, Alice Templey and Matthew Williamson and Alexander McQueen and uh, a bunch of others. Uh, and so. And music was music. It was it was it was an incredible time for music. So it was a time mm -hmm. of you know, Massive Attack and Tricky and Portishead, and then also you had the Battle of the Bands with with Blur and Oasis, no, and then also yeah. all the craziness that was happening in Man in Manchester and, and that kind yeah. of indie scene. So it was mm -hmm. this it was this incredible time for music, and London was the 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 real centre yeah. of the world at the time, uh, and. Um, yeah, with art and culture and film to art and culture, to, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Saks Fifth Avenue were showing exclusive collections by some of the British fashion designers and the Met Bar had been invited to do a little pop-up and, um, uh, and so I put a little team together and, and, and we did this event. And during that time, I met the legendary Amy Sacco, who had uh, uh, just opened her first place called Lot 61 and she was looking for a new general manager. And which was on the, uh, the the west side the lost, of yeah, lost yeah which was on the west side of Chelsea. Well, before. which back back then was it was literally that was uh, that was no man's land. Yeah, it was leather bars, leather bars, and and and, and drug addicts, and the rest of it was terrible. And that was only in that was only in lot fifty one. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lot 61. It was legendary yeah. and Amy was yeah. brilliant and she she uh, she really um, believed in me and she moved me to New York in, in December 98 and she arranged my visa, my first apartment. I, I just owe, I owe so much to Amy for, for believing in me at that time. I was 24 years old and even wow. though I'd, I'd had some, in a very short period of time, in six years, even though I was only 24, in six years I'd spent four years working at the Groucho Club two years at the Met Bar, I was this kid, I was invited to all the, you know, the, the, the premieres and the parties and the fashion parties and the gigs and the backstage and the festivals and all the rest of it. And I got to New York and I knew nobody and it was winter and I had my ass kicked and it was probably, you know, the most humbling experience. Was that your life. first time coming to New York or had you come before? Um... Second time. I, 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 I I went in 90, September 96, and I'll tell you a funny story. The first, I went in September 96, and it was, the, it was Fashion Week, and it was also the, um, either the BMAs or the MTV Awards, I forget which, in, in September as well. The, uh, the MTV Awards. Oh, the, the, yeah, the, MTV VMA, Awards. The, the VMAs, yeah, the Video the Music Awards in September, yeah. Yeah, yeah v, v, VMAs, yeah, VMAs. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the, uh, the only person I knew, or the only people I knew there the first time I went was Boy George, and Amanda, Amanda Ghost. Mm -hmm. And so my first night ever, I stayed at the Gramercy Park Hotel before it was fancy. Right, and it was the rock and roll, bowling, yeah, rock bowl, and roll. Went bowling with Boy George and a bunch of friends and then ended up in a lesbian bar called Meow Mix in the East Village. 
Yeah, that was my I first ever night in New York, and I thought I'd made it. I thought I'd absolutely made it. I was 22 and thought that life had, you know, I'd died and gone to heaven. I think we we first met actually at Lot 61 because um, we we were doing events at El Flamingo. We were doing, I think we did more Chiba or Ronnie Size at El Flamingo or we did both of them. And you guys said, why don't you do the after party at Lot 61? And that's where mm. we first met. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. My God, Ronnie Size. Yeah, mm -hmm. Ronnie Size, more Chiba. Yeah. Maloko, they're all yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So you, you, you were at Lot 61, and then how did you connect with uh, the Morgan's Hotel Group in Ian? Well, I, I at this point was taking my job very seriously and realized that if I was, was lucky enough, privileged enough, talented enough to have been, you know, moved to New York at the age of 24, then I should take it seriously. And, um, and anybody in the hospitality industry at the time knew that Ian Schrager was the legend. And during my time at the Met Bar, I'd, this is going to be a horrible slew of name dropping. So just bear with me for a That's second. That's okay. Is, um, is that I got yeah, to know may I, before you say that, you, you're not, you, you're going to drop some names, but you're not a name dropper, just so no. people are clear. Just, yeah, so you're definitely not, you know, you're one of these people who does not Thanks. drop names. But Thanks. so please drop, drop away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd got to know, I'd got to know Madonna pretty well before, before she um, was, was dating Guy Ritchie. She was, she was actually dating a, a friend of mine. And um, so I got to know Madonna pretty well. And she one day came to see me at Lot 61 in New York and said that she was doing a project with, uh, with Ian Schrager, and if it transpired, she'd like to she, she'd like to hire me and, and have me work with with Ian and Madonna on a new club that they were opening in London. Well, the club was the old cinema at in St Martin's Lane, which then became the St Martin's Lane Hotel. But they couldn't get it licensed to become a nightclub because it was in a residential area. But Madonna was very gracious and introduced me to Ian Schrager who um, realized that, you know, why is Madonna introducing me to this, to this kid? I, you know, I knew all these people in, New York, in, in, in London, but I was already living in New York. So I went back to help Ian uh, open uh, St. Martin's Lane in Sanderson uh, and started, started working with him very soon afterwards. And, and, you know, I always felt pretty, pretty bad because Amy Sacco had moved me to, to New York and I'd only worked with her for a year, but this was, uh, you know, an opportunity of a lifetime. And, uh, and I worked with Ian Schrager in com some capacity up until, uh, up until August, which was 21 years, 21 years working with Ian Schrager. So, you, so you were, you were working, first of all, it was, it was, was it called the Morgan's Hotel Group back then? Morgan's Hotel Group, yeah. yeah. And so, so just so people know, we're talking about the Delano in Miami, we're talking about the Clifton, San Francisco, the Mondrian in Los Angeles, yeah, the Royalton in New York, um, the Morgan's in New York, Paramount, uh, we, Paramount then Hudson. the Hudson, mm -hmm. and then in Boston, it was the, I've forgotten the name of, because we did the opening with you guys, it was the, the, in the Boston Hotel, the Bo Boston, the Ames. The, Ames. the Ames, that's right. And then there was the Mondrian South in Miami, the Shore Club, um, right. and then the, the London Hotels. I think that that's pretty much it. So there was, yeah. well, are we missing anything? 
so yeah and i mean th those were those were the benchmark as far as um the the boutique hotels back then um and for me, like the Delano was just like, like the, the, the jewel in the crown. I mean, that, that hotel was just magnificent. Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when we started working together on a more consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when we, we, we were, you were, you brought to me the idea of, of showcasing these little known artists called Janelle Monet. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. at the time, we, we, we partnered with Lenny Kravitz. Oh, here I am again, slew of <laughs> terrible name dropping, but it's all, it's all relevant and all very real. Yes. Lenny Kravitz, who, who I'd known since the Met Bar, had just started a design firm called Kravitz Design. Now, Lenny has an incredible eye. He's a brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, designer. He's got exceptional taste. Uh, and when he's not being a, a brilliant rock star, he is an incredible designer. And he actually has a, um, uh, a, a design studio called Kravitz Design. Um, and I think we were his first commercial project in 2007, and we, where we launched a, a lounge, a venue called the Florida Room. And a, Fl a Florida Room, for those that don't know, is a room in a house, mainly in, 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 in Miami, in the mount, around Miami and, and, and South Florida, where the adults party, where, you know, the music goes on and, you know, the, the, the things that are smoked might not be cigarettes. And, you know, it's all like, uh, it's a... And that was called the Florida Room. And there was always this, you know, little intrigue and mystery around the Florida Room and all the sounds that came out of it. So that was Lenny's idea and it was brilliant. And we had this beautiful Lucite piano in the Florida Room. piano Coast. was amazing, yeah. And, uh, and Morris, you, you, you programmed it um, with incredible showcases and musicians and, uh, you know, throughout the year, but also for things like um, Winter Music Conference. And, and, uh, and New Year's Eve, we did we did a couple of New Year's Eves. We did one New Year's Eve where we had the Roots play in the, the Florida Room, that and we had Could you imagine that now? Yeah, yeah. And then outside by the pool, we had Janelle Monet and Bobito, and, right. <laughs> and 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 just going back to Janelle very very quickly because you know I I was just obsessed with her when I first when I first saw her very very early on but you were gracious enough to kind of like let me let me have that obsession and help fund that obsession it was like, I was like addicted to her and it would be like well we need an event Morris what do you what do you think Janelle Monet you know so we we literally had Janelle play um she played um she did the mondrian in in los angeles that's right she did multiples at the delano hudson um, she did the hudson mm -hmm. and one idea that i had was we should have her jump in the swimming pool at every hotel that you have because literally whenever we do a show with her outside she would jump in the pool as part of her part of her performance but um you, you know you were a, a a big early supporter of her and you know one of the things you know about you ben that i i really admire as well is you know you're a man of your word and you actually care about stuff so we were supposed to do janelle monet's um launch for her first album her launch party at what was then good units uh, which mm -hmm. was the club at the basement of the hudson and you'd committed to it and unfortunately because of neighbor neighborhood issues um you couldn't you had to cancel uh but we'd arranged for, you know we, we were ready to go with her launch party for the arch android the album so you know out of goodwill 
you managed to get senior management to release the funds that we were going to use and we took we did it some we did it at the highline ballroom so the show still went on i didn't lose face she was happy and that that was because of you so and yeah, i got a great seat you. you got a great seat yeah we gave you the best seat in the house that's right but you know what morris things like that and and thank you i appreciate it but things like that they come around because we just uh, as some of you know Firstly, what happens in the party stays in the party. I absolutely agree. But as some of you know, we just uh, launched the West Hollywood edition. When I say just now, it's in November 2019, but last year doesn't count. So Yeah, um, nothing, nothing happened last year. So it was a few no, months last ago. Year doesn't yeah. count. So to me, it feels like yesterday and also yeah. a couple of decades ago. So also then, then, you know, to have Janelle Monet then perform the launch of the West Hollywood edition when she's, you know, a Grammy award winning, Oscar nominated, you know, playing for 200 people uh, at the launch. It, you know, so that does all come around. That blew my mind. Uh, yeah. and, and she was as talented and as gracious and as wonderful as, as, as she was when we, we did the first gig with her where that terrible picture of me was taken you look great in it by the way no that was um, that wasn't the first gig that was the hudson that that was oh, that was that, was, that, oh, that, that was one of the enough. that no okay. no that was one of the latter ones yeah like the uh you don't look so bad in that picture yeah we, i think we've all we all look better now except she looks exactly the same that's it she looks exactly yeah. exactly um so you, you you know you um you've opened up you opened up hotels for the edition all around the world um you know talk about some of the exciting places where you managed to go to um uh to do that firstly you know i i'm a kid from west london who as i told you earlier failed his a levels because i was a raver and started off counting chefs dirty laundry so the fact that and getting like, eels, just, eels shoved down your trousers as well. Yeah, and having snooker, ball, <laughs> snooker balls thrown at me by Noel Gallagher and uh, having tequila poured in my face by Damien Hurst. I mean, it was all, it was all part, of the, part of the journey. But yeah. the, the, the fact that I could then go and um, uh, help open... Uh, takes one to know one, Floydie. Takes one to know one. Uh, uh, the fact that I could then go on and, and, and work with great teams and open hotels in... Uh, you know, Miami, New York, LA, uh, San Francisco, uh, sorry, San Francisco was Morgan's hotel group, yeah. um, Bodrum in Turkey, Abu Dhabi, Shanghai, um, Sanya, you know, and, and do trips to places Barcelona. like Bangkok and Berlin and, and yeah. Barcelona doing, doing market, market studies and working for Edition uh, on behalf of Ian was, was just a dream, an absolute dream. And I, I had the, the, the best eight years of my life and the most incredible time putting together partnerships, events and, uh, uh, and nightlife. And uh, it was just, you know, one hell of a, one hell of a ride. And I, and I was uh, lucky, I've been lucky enough to go to many of the hotels that you mentioned, um, you know, and, you know, one of the things that I was just so impressed with, with the addition was the fact that wherever I would go in the world, you know, whether it was Shanghai or whether it was in Barcelona, um, the, the fact that the, 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 the addition hotel there actually had its pulse on the culture of that city. It wasn't just bringing, we're, we're this New York or American brand coming to you. You managed to authentically you know, connect with the culture of that city. So when I was sitting, when I'd be sitting in the Shanghai hotel and, 
you know, I, I, you know, it was you, you had the right F and B in there. You, you had the right music and you had the right people who were leading culture. And that, that's something that I think is quite an achievement. That's not an easy thing to do. It's easy to do it in your own turf because, you know, you know, so tell us a little bit about how you were able to, you know, just understand the culture of those cities so you could make that happen so consistently. Yeah. Well, firstly, thank, thanks, Morris, because, you know, you are you've seen a lot of things. So for you to say to say that uh, well, I've never seen somebody have eels pulled, pulled down their trousers. That's the <laughs> one thing. <I> haven't seen. <laughs> but, but for somebody who's seen as much as you have to say that we got it right with culture is, is, is you know, is, is music to my ears. And it was part it was part of my job. It was actually a big part of my job is to make sure that even though we were thinking with a, you know, global lens that we had a had a real focus on on a, a local perspective. And and, you know, hospitality isn't textbook. You can't learn it in school. You mm -hmm. can't learn to have that 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 cultural sensibility from from your office. You need to go and uh, you need to go and meet the people you need to go and uh, meet the people who are going out, who are who are eating and cooking and dancing and and uh, and going to as many places as you can to get a real sense of of the culture of a city. And that's that's everything. That's music and art and film and fashion and 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 theatre and you you name it. You've got to got to see who the who the movers and shakers are in each of those um in each of those cities, and then engage with them, but in a really authentic way, so they trust you. You don't yes. do it. You don't do that with a phone call from your office. You do that by being there, by 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 showing them that you are one of them. And I think that's. That was that was the most fun part of my job. I didn't always get it right. I didn't always get it right. And um, there's a lot of people, as you know, uh, who always tell you, uh, tell you things that aren't necessarily right. But but, uh, um, you know, we, we met some incredible people along the way, whether it was digital artists or illustrators or music producers or uh, filmmakers. And we partnered with some some incredible people over the years and it's something i'm really really proud of i'm proud of proud of the people we managed to bring into into addition and then people we managed to um uh, you know to to pe people like you who we managed to 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 as a consumer or a guest you know impress mm -hmm. yeah no i i mean i you know i would really enjoy you know because you know one of the things is you you know when you travel and you're far away from home you want to have a slice of home but you also want to have you don't want it to feel like you're just at home. It's not, you know, I, I call it the hard rock cafe syndrome where, you right. know, a lot of Americans would go, you know, abroad to, to, to Europe and they'd come home with a hard rock cafe t-shirt. It's like, well, did you see the Eiffel tower in Paris? No, we went to the hard rock cafe. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's about, you know, you, you want that comfort, but you also want to feel like you're a part of that culture in, in the right way. So, I mean, yes, you guys achieve that. And, you know, I, I always thoroughly enjoy that and, and continue to. Um, so um, I, I want to talk a little bit about sort of the future of hospitality. But before that, you know, you, you do have a passion about, you know, plastic and, and yes. you know and uh, let's talk a little bit about that because it's it's such an important topic that is now getting a little bit more but i want i want to hear about how you've been you know working to sort of like get rid of plastic um yeah. from our everyday life well thanks morris i think 
I think as we as we get older, and I realised that I'd had a very privileged career, if you like, I've worked very, very hard, but it doesn't mean anything unless you can give something back. And so my values started to change a little bit. And then uh, on a, like I'm, I'm one of the biggest cliches in the world. I was at Burning Man and I, <laughs> I was at Burning Man and I ran into one of my industry heroes, Chip Conley, who uh, had Joie de Vivre hotels and, and Airbnb. And he, he was he was on the board of Burning Man. I said, Chip, I, I got to I got to do something with with a little more purpose and, and, and uh, you know, purpose and imp impact. So I think I've got to leave my leave my job and do something because I really do. I care about the planet. I care about people. I think. I, and he said to me, well, why don't you just try and do something where you have a little jurisdiction or uh, um, influence over? And, you know, I think uh, a couple of weeks later, I got back. I was trying to figure out what that was. And I went to a, to a party and I saw these stacked up plastic water bottles. And I thought, then that's it, plastic. And I looked at. I looked at our hotels and I realized the plastic waste that was generated in our hotels and therefore the hotel and then the, consequently the hotel industry. And I realized that, that it was it was appalling. It was disgusting to see how much plastic that breaks down into microplastics become carcinogenic uh, um, and is, is, is killing our killing our oceans and filling up our, the landfills. And so I started a campaign called Stay Plastic Free. Uh, aimed at um, aimed at uh, taking single-use plastics out of the hotel industry by using addition as an industry standard, and uh, and really trying to remove all plastics, starting with you know plastic-free minibars, no straws and stirrers, and then replacing all plastic water bottles, and uh, and then really put, put drawing a line in the sand and saying you know addition will go completely plastic-free, and we were looking at. We were looking at distribution channels. We were, we were challenging our vendors to uh, deliver everything from you know fish to booze and anything but plastic, uh, and 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 we did a pretty good job. And uh, a lot of the staff in the hotels got behind it. They realised they were working for a company that cared. Um, uh, my small team, Liza, Frank, Andrea, we 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 really you know put all our efforts towards uh, making sure that. Uh, uh, you know, we weren't bashing people over the head with the messaging. You know, the last thing you want is to go somewhere and you know get the the you card here, the yeah. reminder yeah. there, and the so so we just did it, and, and then our little campaign um, managed to help persuade Marriott International uh, to ban plastic straws and stirrers from all seven thousand four hundred well, hotels. That's huge. One hotel brands. It was that's huge. Incredible. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's the thing I'm probably most proud of. In my in my life, let alone let alone my career, is 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 helping to be be an advocate for the environment. And I think, uh, you know, I think um, we are going to get a little political now. But but as our governments and authorities let us down, it's it's up to the industries and the businesses within it to to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and that's very important. And it's something I'm more passionate about than ever. And I think this idea of uh, of Sorry, going straight on to your next question. Uh, the idea of of responsible hospitality is the future, and that's not just no plastics. That is uh, challenging hotels, hotel companies, hospitality companies, restaurants, bars, clubs, you name it, airlines, to go plastic free. To look at their their energy, uh, you know, um, renewable energy sources, um, uh, no waste, 
um, inclusion and diversity programs uh, and, and to make sure that it's not sustainability, it's called responsible hospitality. We have to take on the issues that are not necessarily being addressed or certainly weren't being addressed by, by a previous administration. We have to take them on as businesses and industries and we have to lead, lead by example. And I think that is, uh, that's a huge uh, a focus of mine, mine for the future. And I truly believe, and, and so does the Wall Street Journal, so does National Geographic, so does the Washington Post, um, truly believe that unless, unless businesses, certainly in hospitality, double down on this idea of responsible hospitality, then they will not survive and thrive in a post-pandemic world. I, I agree. I mean, that was going to be the next thing. Um, I mean, first of all, bravo to that. And, and I, Thank you. Know, you. Kudos. Um, you know, we, we, we are hopefully soon going to be living in a post-pandemic world. And the hospitality industry has been devastated by, mm -hmm. by, by, by COVID and the fact that people aren't traveling, uh, they're not traveling internationally, et cetera, et cetera. What do you see, uh, you know, the hotel experience being in the post-COVID world? Well, you know, how do you, you know, besides it being this sort of like this, this responsible, responsible hospitality, what else are you seeing as being different? Well, I, I've thought a lot, lot about this and I am working on a, on a new venture. Um, and the way I see it, the, the, the hotel industry hasn't changed in 35 years. Ian Schrager changed the industry with the introduction of the boutique hotel. It hasn't changed since, um, but we've changed. We've changed the way we travel. We've changed the way we play. We changed the way we eat. We changed the way we look after ourselves. We changed the way we uh, interact with our communities. We changed the way we uh, communicate digitally. So, but, but the hotel industry hasn't changed to accommodate that. So uh, I foresee the industry including a lot more uh, adaptable room types. Um, so you can uh, stay for a month and have uh, a kitchenette so you can live at the Airbnb experience, but within the hotel. So you can go out if you like to spaces or the wellness spaces or the restaurant bars, the amenities of the hotel, but still live in a contained you know, workspaces have got to change in hotels. People want Zoom booths and media studios, as well as uh, boardrooms that you could rent by by the hour. Um, that uh, uh, as as well as as well as traditional meeting spaces. Wellness, integrated wellness, is very important. People people are going to want to to do wellness in their rooms. Technology is there. The mirror, the, the you know the, the 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 in in room in room uh, workout. Uh, and integrated wellness, food and beverage, it's got to be plant, plant forward. I'm not saying every restaurant has to be vegan, but it has to be thoughtful um, as well as, uh, you know, it has to be thoughtful with regards to uh, what, what, what the amount of animal products that it's using in, in, the, in, the, in the hotels. It, but without compromising all the things we love, like design and events and music and fashion and art and film and design, you know, it's, um, it, it's very important that that's not compromised. I think there's a couple of you know, hotel companies out there now offering conscious hospitality, but they bang you over the head with the message. Right, right. Yeah, you're being preached to. Feel, yeah. I still want to feel, you know, still want to feel like it's an aspirational brand. So I think I really think that's the future because you might want to travel, Morris. You, you might want to stay somewhere for a month. Well, you, you don't necessarily want to stay in an Airbnb because you've got no amenities, but you don't necessarily want to stay in a hotel because you can't you can't 
yeah, cook, you can't cook. cook. I don't want to eat their we food all day. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think the idea of adaptable room types also from the studies we've we, we've done and the research we've done um, and the studies we've read, a lot of of you know millennials who are now becoming par parents, they love to travel with with their kids, and also there's a lot of multi generational travel now. Um, so uh, and and hotels don't really accommodate that as well as they should. So this idea of kind of adaptable room types for for a psychographic rather than a demographic, I think it's um, uh, uh, I think that's the future. So when you say adaptable room types, uh, you, do you mean that you could expand that room instead of them bringing in a rollaway bed? You could actually have like a family or sleeping in or, or exactly. friends sleeping in the same room. Exactly. Yeah. So it, friends you could, rooms. Friends rooms ahead. are really important because. You know, you've got to understand there's a lot of us that it's got nothing to do with money. We all just like to we're going to art we're going to art basel for, for a few nights. We did you know, let's all just stay together in a room. No one cares. Yeah, You're not gonna yeah. be in your room that You're never much. in your room just, anyway, yeah. 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 Or a family that wants to have, you know, a real bed and a bunk beds for their five and seven year old instead of a roll away or having to get another room for them, yeah. which then becomes, you know, price prohibitive or or, yeah. or, or you know. So I think uh, hotels haven't really addressed addressed much of this, um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah, that, that's amazing. So um, we we have a few minutes left. Um, you know, you you're you're currently having a sabbatical. Um, it looks like from the picture you, you're having a great time. Um, what are you What are you doing there? Like, you know, you what What are some of the things you've been doing? Well, I, ca I came here, Morris, I had COVID pretty badly last year. I'm, I'm, I know you know that, but I had COVID mm -hmm. badly and I came here to get my lungs healthy. So every morning I've been I've, at 8 a.m. I've been either boxing or doing yoga. I've been running, hiking, biking. So it, it does look like I'm in, in, in a heavenly place, but there was actually a kind of a reason for it. I needed to be somewhere where I could do a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, exercise and activity. So I've been doing a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of that, and I haven't, I haven't been throwing myself into work that's not necessarily there. Uh, got a right. couple of, couple of things bubbling, but yeah. um, I have been running a lot, yeah, uh, and hiking these beautiful mountains, and uh, it's, uh, it's, and surfing. I'm a terrible surfer, but I've been giving it a bash. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful part of the world. I feel, I feel very lucky. Feel very lucky, and my, and my lungs are getting better, and my lungs are getting better. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things, I mean, I had COVID as well. And, and one of the things that I don't think we quite really understand yet, it's not about I had COVID, I'm now negative, and I'm okay. We are still learning about the effects it's having on your body. And, you know, how it affects your lung, how it actually affects your heart as well. So, um, you know, I think it's great that you're you're taking the time to, to properly um, recuperate because yeah it's not about like you know three weeks of um of isolation and getting over the fever it's it's really about um you know that long-term recuperation that's fantastic um we have a couple of minutes left it, it, you know is there anything else you want to you want to say uh you want to talk about um yeah i just want to say i see a lot of people here from richie nota to chris aponte to a bunch of people in the industry who i've worked with or over the years like the, you all know the industry is going to come back. There's going to be a renaissance. There's going to be mm -hmm. a great time once we get through. Once we get through this, once enough people are vaccinated, I think there is going to be. Um, I call it 
re revenge hospitality. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. there's there's going to be an incredible time coming in 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 music, in in entertainment, in dancing, in theatre, in nightlife of all sorts, uh, and it's going to come back with a with a bang. So I hope uh, hope we all get to Alex Julian. I hope we all get to work together at some point. And Morris, yeah, I, I know you and I yeah. will forever. Yeah. No, I, I agree because it's it's kind of like in a way. Um, I think there's a there's a big correlation to a hundred years ago when um, you know you had the first world war, and uh, and then you had the the Spanish flu, and then from there you went into the Roaring Twenties, which were one of the most incredible times for culture, music living literature the whole thing unfortunately it ended with the crash <laughs> and then we right. but hopefully we're a little smarter than that but i i agree with you i think there's going to be an unbelievable you know renaissance because people have so much pent up just energy to to go out and be and enjoy mm -hmm. um and um you know i think maybe it's not going to be global traveling initially but there's going to be a lot of America's a big place, people and country, people are going to start traveling within their country and stay in places and be in places. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we've got some good times ahead. We, we mm -hmm. all deserve it. I, I absolutely agree. Well, Ben, thank you so much. Um, it was awesome having you as my guest. It's always a pleasure talking to you, but it's nice just doing this like, you know, in front of people as well. And, you know, I look forward to seeing you in person very, very soon, you know. Likewise. I, I might Thanks come so and see you in Mexico. Yeah. And so thank much. you, everyone, for joining. You know, we're going to be back next week. I don't know who that is yet. I'm, I'm almost now, but um, I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, check out giantstep.net. Go and look at the vault and you'll see some great pictures of the work Ben and I did together with the edition and Morgans and lots of other stuff. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe, Ben. Be well. Bye, Thanks, everyone. Morris. Take care. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Giant Step podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe or follow us on Instagram at Giant Step. Music is by Cinevo. Please also visit our website, giantstep.net, to learn more about our award-winning marketing agency.